You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we killed the world. I'm your host, Justin M. Lezeski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show, including the opening quip I just made. It's not some sort of terrorist threat. It's a reference, and if you watch WWE, you get it, and I'm hopeful for where things are going to go from here. We previously talked about Vince McMahon no longer being part of the company, and it shows, so hopefully it keeps improving. But moving on to our show, because I am still in charge here, joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. What an early morning we're recording in, and I, I ran yesterday, and I woke up this morning, and uh, it's first first time taking a decently long run, and boy, was it hard to get out of bed. Not as in I'm tired, but my legs, my legs forgot how to work. Ugh. I don't like running, but it's a good part of my uh, workout. Thank you for my uh, friend and trainer for making me run, but I'm not going to be thinking of any today, I think. How far did you run? Uh, Just like, uh, just under two miles. So for for a first time running in a while, that's, uh, yes. that's not too bad. I'm sure your your calves and hamstrings are dead right now, right? They're, they're completely dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll let that recover a little bit because we're going to use our voice on this show, not our legs. So oh, and we, we got we got quite a few interesting things to talk about. I don't think there's anything super in depth, but this is sort of for me is sort of like what are all the different permutations of social justice? That's sort of what all these stories are this week. So let's get into it in Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. Uh, we accept any and all support, including affirmations. I lost my, um, perhaps most of all affirmations. I lost William my place in my spiel there because oh, I man. do it from memory. I don't have it written and I <laughs> lost it. So anyone who's wondering why I like stuttered there in the middle, I completely forgot what part of the plug I had and had hadn't said. So just support us if you want. If you don't just keep listening, just hope you get some enjoyment out of this. Uh, one of the things you probably get enjoyment out of is something that uh, I've gotten enjoyment out of. And we try to do a whole segment of it, but it never worked. Although recently, I think the segment could come back because, William, we had a prime example of good Kanye, bad Kanye this week in one interview. So Kanye did or yay, as he goes by nowadays, I guess. I don't know. I don't understand why people keep changing their names, but whatever. 
did an interview with Tucker Carlson, which is hilarious in itself, right? Can you imagine Tucker Carlson interviewing Kanye? Well, you don't have to. It exists. And within the interview, he had a good Kanye moment and a bad Kanye moment. It's actually, I actually find it kind of fascinating, the the two moments, William. So we're going to play the first, and then I'm going to tell you what the second is. All right, William, go ahead. Play the good Kanye moment. Now let's talk about Gabby and my good friend Lizzo. Lizzo works with my trainer, a friend of mine, Harley Pasternak. Harley, Harley Pasternak. When Lizzo loses 10 pounds and announces it, the bots, uh, that's a term for uh, people like, it's like telemarketer call, callers, right. like on Instagram, they attack her for losing weight because the media wants to put out a perception that being overweight is the new goal when it's actually unhealthy. Yes. Let's get aside the fact of whether it's fashion and vogue, which it's not. Let's, let's just, or if someone thinks it's attractive, to each his own. It's actually clinically unhealthy. And for people to, to promote that, um, it's, a, it's demonic. You know, what can I ask? Yeah. I've noticed this also. All right. Yeah. So, William, regardless of what he says, the media, right? Because that's the sort of one little thing I would nitpick in there. Yeah. I don't think it's just the media. Right. But these are all things we have talked about before on this show. And people don't want to acknowledge as real. Right. This is prototypical. Good Kanye. There's three things here. First, there's the use of fake accounts on social media to make it seem like there's more of a conversation going on around something and there's more support for a belief system than there actually is. Uh, second, there's the whole Lizzo being used for an agenda. And don't get me wrong. Look, Lizzo has musical ability. She can sing, right? I don't know if you know much about Lizzo. Do you? William. I don't know too much. I know she I know she is a musician though. Like she can sing and she can right. play. Well, in her song, every time I'm in the car with with my wife, usually just driving to Disney Springs when we go to see a movie, uh they, there are two songs that play, that play. One's the Lizzo song where it's like Bad Bitch O'Clock, and the other one's that Justin Bieber Ghost song. I swear to God to you, the other day the Lizzo song played back to back with the Justin Bieber song. And I was like, "Jesus, this is why radio died, right?" Yeah. But yeah. It's undeniable that she can sing, right? So I want to make it clear that these critiques are not about her musical ability. But it's the fact that she's being used, not for her musical ability, but for her looks. And when I say looks, I mean the fact that she's overweight. And for her physical, not her physical, her psychological issues. The fact that she won't lose weight and that they can get her to celebrate the fact that she's that big. And the, uh, the third thing is building off of that. They're pushing this agenda of body positivity, quote unquote, where we don't shame people for being as unhealthily overweight as she is. I mean, in that song I was referring to, she literally has a, a, uh, a lyric where she says, I'm way too pretty to be this stressed, which first of all, 
the quality of your looks has nothing to do with the amount of stress in your life. But second of all, the fact that she seriously is saying that shows how psychologically messed up she is and what kind of an agenda they're pushing onto her music and the people who listen to her music. And I think, William, that it's awesome that Kanye is identifying this. What do you think? Yeah, didn't I, I've seen interviews uh, with Adele saying basically the same thing, right? Like they they tried to make Adele into this, right? Right. And when she lost uh, a bunch of weight, all of a sudden she was looked at as a traitor or something, right? Right. Like taking better care of herself was seen. It was somehow framed as a bad thing for women or a bad thing for overweight people or something. I don't know. It was strange. Well, and, and it's and, interesting and, you bring up and the demonic. Thing. Demonic's the right word right. there. Right. Demonic was a totally perfect word, and we probably should have cut the clip there, but I didn't remember if that was the end of it or not. But yeah, whether you're religious or not, demonic is totally the perfect word there. Because look at, I don't even, I don't know why, I can speak to my own experience here. The difference between the way I think of Adele and the way I think of Lizzo, right? And I mean pre-Adele's weight loss, right? I've always thought the same thing of Adele as I do of Lizzo is that she's very, very talented with her voice. She could sing very well, but nothing was ever made about her weight. And what I mean by that is, was there ever anything in any of Adele's songs referencing her own physical appearance or her weight, especially in a celebratory way? Not that I can remember. I'm not a huge uh, Adele, uh, you know, B-side catalog uh, uh, connoisseur, but... Well, it's not even the B-sides for Lizzo. It's the A-sides, and that's the point, Yeah. right? So, like, I was never a big fan of Roland, right? But it wasn't like I heard the song, I was like, fuck, I hate this song, turn it off, right? But when I hate Lizzo, or or when I hear Lizzo, I hate it. And Yeah, I hate Lizzo. Again, this is a weird thing, right? It's like a meta-hate. Like, I don't hate the person, I hate the, the artist, the public image. I want to be clear about that. Because of the content of it. And it's not, and here's the thing, people would skew it, right? And they would say, it's because she's fat that I hate her, right? No. Yeah, yeah. I hate her because she contributes to the continued decay of basically self-esteem and self-respect in this country. She contributes to people having self-destructive lifestyles. Yeah, and and to have... It's clear as well that, at least from when I see her, you can see that there's this dichotomy, right? Like, like if she were to lose weight, would people, like, what kind of hell would people put her through, right? This is like a, such a vicious cycle. It, it's it, Well, you can kind of get an idea of the, the vicious hell they put Kanye through, right? Yeah, yeah. Every time Kanye's good Kanye, they put him through hell, don't they? And this is an example. Yeah, he got uh, he got banned from Twitter and Instagram or no, he got banned from Instagram and Facebook this week. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I saw that. They tried to claim he was anti-Semitic with another post he made. So what did they do? They went through and tried to cancel him. Right. He said this thing revealing what's going on. And then they went after him. So, you know, exactly what they would do. Yeah. But I don't want to make it seem like it's only good Kanye. Because Kanye's right there, right? He like walks the ball up to the one yard line and he can't punch it in for the touchdown. Tucker Carlson pressed him further, William, and asked him, like, why do you think they're doing this? And he said, it's genocide against the black race. Ah. Uh, now, uh. now, here's the thing he's so jaded by collectivism 
that he is so close but doesn't get it. He's correct. It is the death principle, isn't it, William? Yeah. It's anti-life. It's intentional. But he limits it to black people because he's been had that collectivism. He's been told that narrative his whole life that he can't get out of it and realize it's everybody. Yeah, they are trying to kill black people. They're trying to kill all people of which black people are a subset of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 the it's the failure, you know, it's someone trying to figure this out on his own but unable to escape the philosophical baggage of the culture, right? Well, what does that tell you about the amount of people he's surrounded by? That means Kanye has nobody who's getting him to think outside of a collectivist mindset around him. And that's crazy for someone to have that much success and power and influence. And he has no one around him not talking to him collectivistically. Yeah. Yeah. But that leads into the next thing that I wanted to talk about here, William. So uh, I, I use Reddit as like a news source. I don't know about you, William, but I find that those people are, let me explain. Let me explain. I'm talking about like for pro sports or for like pro wrestling. Okay. And what I mean by it is I find that the people on Reddit are hyper obsessive and super quick to post on Reddit. So very often tweets will be aggregated or news stories will be aggregated or rumors will be aggregated quicker on the NFL subreddit or the Patriots subreddit, or they have one called Squared Circle where it talks about professional wrestling. And I read stuff there. Do, do you use Reddit in that way, William? Yeah, yeah. I have uh, I have some uh, specific communities that I like to follow that uh, bring me news. Uh, I like the, uh, you know, e- even something as niche as, like right now it's Worlds for League of Legends, the uh, the sort of Super Bowl of, uh, of League of Legends. And so, yeah, following the Worlds threads are where you can get the most details and analysis and links to other things that would be interesting. Right. Now, the problem with Reddit is, while you're doing this, it's impossible to escape the Reddit hive mind of far leftism. Right, William? Yeah, the it's, it's, it's pretty legendarily NPC. That's why you had my initial reaction, right? If you have anything that has any politics involved, they will spew the the media narrative quite thoroughly it's it's you can i can write any political narrative from reddit before you even show it to me on any topic well and that will actually lead into the the final story we're going to talk about here after we get through a few quick stories here right but the final one talking about diabetes is is you want to talk about being able to predict what they're going to say it's exactly what you just said so sometimes, William, I use Reddit as a way of witnessing the farce where things will come across the homepage or you get linked to somehow. And it's like a little personal way of witnessing the farce. And there was one that was so extreme this week when we we're talking about just having a collectivist mindset that I wanted to share it. So this is from like a it's supposed to be a female subreddit to X chromosomes, but it's become like a hyper social justice feminist. And I'd say that to distinguish social justice feminists from regular feminists, if we want to use the term regular. Um, It's from that sub, 2X chromosomes. The title is, I desperately need a sanity check. Is there anyone else here who is completely done with conservative men and doesn't care about their feelings? Now, I could just end that there, William, because that, William, is... That's collectivist enough, right? That's and inter- that's, that's inter- interpersonal enough. hostility in a in a uh, Reddit uh, article title, 
Right. And the irony of I desperately need a sanity check. Yes, you do. That's the point. Uh, but this paragraph here, and it's not a super long paragraph, but I want to read it because, as William just said, it is a perfect encapsulation of interpersonal hostility. American 25 slash W here. I recently made a friend with a man while I was out and about playing Pokemon Go. First of all, William, I'm going to stop there, right? Doesn't that say something about her personality and the way she interacts with the world? I guess, yeah. I And, like, kudos for... I, I, in a way, I'm sort of, like, happy that you're using this uh, game to socialize, right? And actually having social interaction. But, yeah, it does say something, doesn't it? Well, this is what, what I'm referring to, William. What I think it says is, first of all, she's 25 and still playing Pokemon Go. And second of all, when Pokemon Go first came out, I played it. I, I checked it out. It was cool for a little bit. But what is engaging, William? You're the video game guy, right? What is engaging about that game that you can keep playing it years later? I mean, that's been out for like 10 years now, hasn't it? <laughs> I don't know if it's been that long, but yeah, it's been out a little while. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the the desire to collect and... I don't know. I, I I haven't played it lately. I don't know what the retention like. What 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 is it that keeps keeps you going in it? Right, and that's what I was saying about says something. So to continue, we started texting and had known each other for about two weeks before he told me that he's a conservative and to not judge him. So William, this is somebody who clearly this guy is self conscious because of the way he's been attacked before for holding beliefs that are outside of what's considered acceptable, as you say, by NPCs. So she doesn't tell us what she said to him, but it's very telling what she writes in the text here. Fuck that. I am judging you extremely hard, and I'll never be your friend. I'll never be friends with someone who votes in oppressive bigots who don't even have more than two brain cells to rub together. And then... She says, the guy said that I was being a bit extreme and judgmental. Huh? I wish I cared. I have one less constitutional right now, and you voted this trash in. Bye-bye. I'm so completely done with conservatives that I don't even care to ask what the details of their personal views are and what legislation they support. I don't care. Fuck all the way off. This, William, shows how collectivism leads to interpersonal hostility doesn't it yeah yeah i mean i i've 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 experienced this justin we've talked about it on the show uh in mm-hmm. in my I think own, we all uh, have dating, we all have yeah, in my own dating uh uh experiences i get called i'm not a conservative yet i get called a conservative because people start right. to ask my idea like what i think about a certain thing you pick one thing right. outside their their npc script and you're automatically labeled a conservative you you voted right. for trump um, you, you don't like abortion and you're, you're, uh, literally killing trans people. These are all conclusions I've had to deal with in relationships and work contexts, all sorts of places. Right. Right. Because what, what's being done here, what's being done in this paragraph is the personalization of that other person's beliefs. And what I mean by that is, do you notice how she immediately makes the turn to, oh, I have one less abortion. Uh, I have one less constitutional right now. Of course, she's referred to abortion because of you. Do you get what I'm saying, William? Yeah. So it's immediately saying the view you hold is an immediately an impact on my life. 
and that's that's the narcissism that collectivism leads to that most people don't want to talk about because it's it seems counterintuitive right and that's one of the things i've talked about before i don't know if i've talked about it on the show i probably have that it the reversal that's been done makes what's real what's true seem counterintuitive right you would think that individualism leads to narcissism but necessarily individualism can't lead to narcissism because if you really are individualist, you have to respect other people's individuality. But collectivism necessarily leads to narcissism because it's necessarily comparative because you're looking across the whole group and making sure the whole group is the same. So you will necessarily be comparing yourself to other people at all times. And that is what this woman is doing here. William immediately rather than thinking oh who is he and what are the circumstances of his beliefs to which she even says she doesn't care about them right literally she says that I don't even care what to ask the details of their personal views are right yeah yeah literally anti-individual yeah this this is this is even deeper like I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna do something that Justin we, we usually have you on the show to do which is psychologicalize this is well. We have super, me on the show because this is my show. <laughs> this is super, uh, very, very, very much cluster B, right? This is this is uh, 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 flying monkeys is what the one of one what what the the disaffected the Joshua, Joshua Slocum talks about on his podcast. This this woman would rather have a bunch of random strangers on Reddit give her Reddit gold than actually get to know this person. This person who apparently she had a genuine connection with, right? It's more important that thrill of of being right and having the righteous view is more important than a potential romantic relationship. Someone that she had connected with and and obviously had some sort of, you know, a positive emotional experience with. That is far outweighed by her her psychological need to 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 basically have all these flying monkeys come around and defend her and tell her she's right for, for snubbing uh, conser- uh, a conservative, a evil Nazi, right? This is, well, this, gonna... is, this is crazy. This is, this is, this is destructive, self-destructive behavior. Right. And I'm going to take the psychologizing, right? Psychologicalizing, however you want to pronounce it, right? Psy- psychologizing, right? I was intentionally mispronouncing it, everyone. Um, I'm going to take it a step further. Because this is what you had me on for, as you said, right? On your show, William, this is uh-huh. what you had me on for, right? Is I would venture to say she feels guilty about being attracted to this man. That's why she's very careful to refer to him as a friend. And that yeah. is why she is so angry in here. Because she can't believe she was attracted to and got along with someone who is this evil. So she needs to go back to the hive mind and make sure she is forgiven by the hive mind, hive mind by self-immolating on their altar. Right. And what's scary about this psychologically, William, is it's hard to tell with the Internet and with the way the culture is. If this is a person who already had this cluster B issue, as you refer to it as, or if this is something that's developed based upon this person's philosophical beliefs. Right. Is the Internet aiding this? Right. Is the Internet creating more incels? Because this is no different from incel behavior. Do not make that mistake. This is exactly the same as incel behavior. They would not want to admit it, but it is. Is is the internet creating more of these people? Or is the internet just enabling these people and and 
contributing to their self-destruction, as you said, their downward spiral? It's a it's a difficult question that I don't know if we are experts enough to answer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that we can we can answer, but I I, I suspect it's an interplay because we know that Instagram and Twitter and a lot of these social media, because of the the way that it enables virality in a particular way, that that encourages a lot of this narcissistic and you know the 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 flying monkey behavior, right? The 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 uh. You you say something without evidence, and then all these people just come come around and and yes, girl, you right, and uh, it's the hashtag believe all women thing again, right? Like the yes. why did that why why was that so toxic? Why was that such a toxic femi- femininity? Why was that toxic femininity able to spread so virally, right? And and then a bunch of people get canceled just be just from random strangers saying yes, he sexually assaulted me, and then people were like, well, wait, what what, what what's the evidence again, right? It's the same. It's the same thing, and now this one's not about sexual assault, but like that process of of just like spreading that information and then getting all these people to agree with you, and making it feel like that's somehow something, right? It's this artificial socialization, right? These people who gave, like, th- these people who gave this post Reddit gold, they don't know this person, right? This could be a completely right. made up story, right? Well, it might be. A lot of times I read Reddit and I read it as fan fiction oh, and yeah. i read it as farcical fan fiction i'm like somebody made that up there's no way that's true well i have right? to ask woke or joke right exactly exactly something else you said a little earlier though william leads perfectly into the next story right you talked about you know when you have when you say certain things people immediately want to dismiss you and say like you're anti-trans right oh yeah well one of those topics is when we talk about transitioning in sports and is it fair or not right and that's one of the questions we brought up remember the pen swimmer earlier yep. this year yep. who or, or i think it was in the spring who won the ncaa's when he transitioned into a woman and they let him compete and that's one of those where people would write one of these angry posts on reddit about you or i for 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 raising yeah, that clearly, question yeah clearly we're anti-trans because we raised a question about fairness in women's sports right just fairness in sports in general, right? I mean, yeah. It, it, yeah. And then what comes out at swimmingworldmagazine.com says a new study in the British Journal of Sports Medicine conducted by Brazilian scientists states that transgender women maintain their strength and other cardiopulmonary benefits from their male birth despite the use of hormone therapy such as testosterone suppression. Uh, the next sentence, Shocking. William. Shocking. Right. right. In other news, water wet. Right. But that's I want to talk about that in a second. But first, I want to say this study, the next sentence is even more revealing than I would have even predicted. The study indicated that even 14 years after transitioning, Transgender women were, on average, 20% stronger and had 20% greater heart and lung capacity than females. So 14 years, I would have thought there would have been some degradation over time. So maybe we need to start doing studies of just how impactful working out and physical health Mm -hmm. is in your teenage years when you're growing. This seems to indicate that when you're growing, that's when it's most important to lay these foundations that we 
maybe can't escape, right? 14 years after. But William, what I want to ask you, right? 20%, that is significant. So I want to ask you, I want to, I want to be checked here. Are we only liking this? Am I only liking this because it supports what we think is speciously true? I mean, isn't that what a social justice person would yeah, say? Yeah, the this is just propaganda. Bias, right? Yeah, this is just, confirmation bias, yeah, right? You're, How you're do we know like this isn't right. confirmation bias? Well, I guess I, I guess it's hard. It's it's hard to for someone who thinks that it's just uh, propaganda. It's hard because we what we want to do is we want to point them to reality, and that's the problem, right? Is we're, we we we. At, at the axiomatic level, we just don't agree that we should look at biological reality, right? Right. So I, I don't know that there's a way to bridge that gap because we have to keep pointing at reality and saying, look, and that's the part that, first of all, we're dealing with a disease. And yes, I mean this. I'm talking here not about trans people. I'm talking about gender dysphoria. We're looking at a disease where it's a mismatch with reality. And even stating that fact is controversial. It's right? a, it's a mental mismatch with physical and, reality. Exactly. Let's be clear about that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a mental mismatch with physical reality. So even pointing that is controversial and makes people react emotionally, right? Oh, you hate trans people because you 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 face that fact. But if we face that fact, then a lot of these things can be talked about in an, in a less emotional and more objective manner, and we can start to figure out how to how to deal with any of these issues, right? But even 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 that first initial reality focus is not possible with with a lot of a lot of folks that are emotionally charged about this issue. And I think the key part of what you said, William, is pointing to the definition of what gender dysphoria is and how to look at it, because what you're saying is and let me translate here and you can correct me if I'm wrong. They are shading it differently than than we are. They are seeing a mismatch, but they're saying the issue is the body, not the mind. Whereas I've consistently said on this show, consistently said, I do not understand why you cut the body and not fix the mind, right? I'm not saying the mind is necessarily wrong. I'm just saying I don't understand why the jump is to treat the body and not treat the mind. I don't understand that at all. And that's why they will never believe evidence like this. Exactly. Because the, and, and if there's the, any error, and there's many on on the folks who are more uh, quote unquote conservative or reactionary on the on the trans issues, it's that they are not seeing the false dichotomy. They're only looking at the mind and not the body. And until you accept both the facts that there is mind and body and that they are integrated, it's in, until then you cannot come up with any. Like you can't even research this topic and come up with a solution, right? Because because it's not. I, I'm sure it's not going to be. Like we know that the mind and the body are are intertwined, right? So, and until until we accept the fact that hey, this is a mismatch between what is the reality in the mind and what is the reality in the body, that's the part that that we can't even like. No one. There's no way forward. There's no intellectual way forward. Right. And the other the other thing to add to what you're saying is the mismatch is if we're not privileging the internal mismatch over the external reality that everyone else experiences. What happened with the swimming 
And we see this with the study. And this is another reason we can say the study. This is another check we can use, right? Is people who are supportive of the idea of quote unquote, fixing the body to align it with the mind are not looking at the impact of that changing of the body on everybody else. And, you know, this is exactly, I can already hear, this is how intrusive their words are. I can already hear them telling me how insensitive that is, that I'm, they would even call it victim blaming, right? The idea that, oh, that person is supposed to look at how it affects everybody else. And I'm not saying they should privilege, William, how everyone else is going to react. I'm saying when you change the way you look and try and interact with the world, there are necessarily going to be some consequences. And if you're living an objective, selfish, in the healthy sense lifestyle, you're going to have to think, how is that going to affect you? Do you understand what I'm saying, William? Yeah. And they don't do that. They simply say, I have a right to exist in this way, and I'm going to exist this way. Consequences be damned, even if the consequences are anti-reality. Mm-hmm. And this comes back to something um, I was listening this week to a, an interview by Andrew Sullivan. Uh, if you remember, he was used to edit The New Republic, and then uh, we covered the story where he got uh, booted off uh, uh, as a contributor Um uh, let's see. I forget exactly which controversy it was. I think he he didn't want to, or he wanted to cover something, and they wouldn't let him cover it. I can't remember exactly which news story it was, but um, uh, he's a, a gay, more a little more conservative than most. Um, so, but also the person, the main driver in the media behind the uh, uh, marriage equality, but behind gay marriage, and he talks about how um, for one of the sad things that he sees right now going on is that um, for uh, folks who are gay and here I'm, I'm lumping lesbians in as well. Um, what it means to be a man or in the case of lesbians, what it means to be a woman is something everybody, whether they're uh, gay or straight has to come to terms with during puberty. Right. And we're telling a whole bunch of people that may have more effeminate characteristics and may end up being gay that, Oh, well maybe your body is wrong. Dude, that would hurt anyone in puberty, gay or straight, right? Like, everyone comes to terms with what it is to be a man or what it is to be a woman in in puberty. That's like the time that you discover that about yourself. And to say like, oh, well, maybe maybe you can be any gender or maybe no gender or maybe a gender or whatever. This, this is not looking at reality and helping people get through that uh, a transitional stage in their life, right? And and it, it just connects exactly to the story. Right, Justin? It connects to all the stories we've talked about so far. How is that not related to how evil, and I will use the word evil, how demonic the way Lizzo's weight is treated? Is yeah. that not the same thing? Yeah. Is that not the same thing as the last person, uh, the, the, the Reddit post, saying that her right to an abortion leads to having complete indifference to any other human being who may possibly disagree with her in any way. It, and, aren't these all linked yeah. to exactly what you just said? Yeah, they are. All right. And when we're talking about social justice and the way it links and the way it can connect in many different directions, William, you sent me something that as I read this and I honestly, William, I don't even know how to summarize this. That's how I, I fucking insane this is. That's how farcical uh, this is. 
Whenever we say there won't be peak farce, like, honestly, you could probably make a movie about this. Maybe not historical fiction. What... What do we call like historical fiction that's current? Contemporary fiction? I don't even know what we would call that, right? Based yeah. on a true story, I guess, is what we call that, right? I guess, yeah. But this story has so much farce in it, right? So the, the headline, and this was broken by the New York Times, but the headline that you sent me because New York Times loves the paywall nowadays, yeah, uh, is dogs killing leads to Brooklyn progressive civil war over social justice, New York Times reports. Now, of course, the New York Times didn't say it in that way, but Fox News... It, this in this instance properly translated it. <laughs> they did. This seems like a sensational headline, but it's really not. No, it's not. It is not. So this started with just an example of, I would say, interpersonal hostility, William. But it's hard to tell how much of it is psychological and how much of it is medical because this is dealing with a homeless person. So this woman was walking her dog, a white woman. It's it. it Look, I usually don't like to be like, it was a white woman, right? But for this story, you need to know that she was white and the homeless person was black, right? And she was walking her dog at a park in Brooklyn. And then apparently there was some sort of altercation where uh, the guy threw a bottle of urine at her and her dog. And then he had a stick and he hit the dog and just missed her. And then... What happened was, and I think this is sort of negligent on her part, William, and that's where the first thing I would say is, um, quote-unquote, the dog developed sepsis from a perforated intestine caused by a blow she had not noticed, and then after surgery, the dog died. Extremely tragic, but William, before we even continue, right, aren't you going to get thoroughly check your dog after this sort of confrontation? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do- it seems like I, the- I, I, in, uh, one Go small ahead. thing to say is dogs are very good at hiding pain. So, it, well, yeah, cats are too. Pets yeah, are. So, so I, I'm, I'm. Yes, I would have taken. I would have. If if my if uh, someone had beat my one of my dogs, then yes, I would have probably taken them into the vet and had them get X-rays. Just to double check everything. Yeah, just just go to the vet and say, hey, we were just accosted by a homeless man in the park. He threw and a bottle of urine. we all know the amount of strength meth heads have. So, I mean. Right. Right. He, he threw a bottle of urine. He was possibly on meth. And he was waving a stick and he hit the dog with the stick. Can you just check the dog to make sure everything is fine with him? Right. So that yeah. was the first mistake that was made. But the thing is, this mistake, right. These two mistakes, right? The mistake of however we got to this situation where this guy's throwing urine and hitting dogs with sticks, right? And then this woman not properly taking care of her dog. Oh, no, I just victim blamed, right? But again, this is where we can go with this. Led to insanity. Insanity. So neighbors tried to set up a group. They tried to set up a group in order to find this man and make the park safer, because this man still hasn't been fined, uh, hasn't been found and fined. He should probably be fined or put in jail, right? Uh, He still hasn't been found. They named the group the Panthers, because when I'm searching for a criminal, a man who committed a crime who's black, I'm going to name my group the Panthers. How tone deaf is that, William? Uh, I don't know. Oh, my goodness. 
I mean, the again, peak farce, right? Right. This is this right. is an example of peak farce. Uh, they organize. This is the best part. They organize. This is the best part, but it's a good part. They organize via the next door app. Isn't this what we were just saying, William, about the internet and like Reddit and the echo chambers and everything? Yeah, yeah. The, the how many NPCs are on the next door app? Right. Well, they organized and they thought they could name their group the Panthers. And then what happened was all the different sides, because we're in Brooklyn, you tried to use social justice to rationalize what they were saying. Some people were complaining about systemic racism and how this group is an example of that. Other people got mad about that and said the person claiming that was mansplaining. And then, of course, there's the whole thing about... uh, the oppression that is that homeless people deal with, right? That this homeless man is in himself a victim of our culture. So we shouldn't be hunting him for doing what he did. Yeah. Did I miss anything, William? No, no, I think that sums it up. And I, and I, I, to have this debate over <laughs> this social justice view of whether it's okay to beat dogs uh, to their death um, I think uh, uh, I stole this joke, but I've made it in the in in Discord. Uh, of exactly which race is allowed to beat dogs to death and which ones aren't um, is the I think the real question to pose anyone on this social justice view of this. And Justin, I this Justin, as of this morning, you made me wake up so early this morning because we got to watch football, and uh, and so I, I this one scrolled across last night, late in the night. Homeowner in Studio City severely beaten by a homeless man with a metal pipe who is setting up an encampment on his property, suffering broken ribs and a broken shoulder from the attack. Broken shoulder, Justin. So here, like, we've we've upgraded from beating <laughs> dogs to beating people. Um, but Broken uh, ribs, too. Broken ribs are... Look, I, I know, like, broken shoulder sounds more sensational, but broken... Like, the ribs are literally there to protect you. Yeah. Like, and they break. Like, you know how hard broken ribs are to deal with? Like, that's... You're gonna be beat pretty hard, Dad. Broken ribs. So I, I, I have a prediction, Justin. Like this homeowner has made signs uh, of the person, um, and I, I, I don't know if uh, I don't know the race of the person. I didn't dig too deep into the story, but uh, if this person happens to be a minority, I bet we're gonna see the social justice uh, definitely come on extra thick uh, here in in, in L.A. Uh, and we'll have the same thing that happened in New York here, right? People will be saying, "Why should we uh, arrest this man, even though he assaulted someone?" Because he's just homeless, right? All he literally needs is a house. Well, in California, they're not homeless. They're unsheltered. Get it right. Oh, I'm sorry. These This this story that you just told, William, is a non-zero reason that I left California. And to say it more in a... To frame it to f- in a positive framing, not to say it's a... You know, it's a good thing, but to say, you know, not say it with a negative way of framing it, of writing it negative construction uh this is part of the reason i moved and it may sound crazy to you but when i'm living in a one bedroom 700 square foot apartment near angel stadium and across the street are homeless people we're paying over 2300 like it was like 2350 a month right there are homeless people who as we said before it's clearly issues of mental health and drugs it is not safe. It is not safe. And you combine that with a culture of interpersonal hostility. How can you trust that whenever you're around a homeless person, you're going to be 
physically safe. You can't. And then let's add in the whole idea of I lost my train of thought. I was going to add in something else. Oh, oh, fuck. I lost my train of thought completely. All right. Well, uh, I have to. There was something else about homeless people I was going (laughs) to say. Well, to get us back uh, from beating people and beating dogs, uh, I do want to say that uh, on Fox, uh, the ad for uh, for the on the dog story was a nice uh, get vaccinated story. And and, and you'll love this. It connects to the Lizzo story. It says Rona can steal your sense of taste. Keep P.Z.A. yummy. Get vaxxed. And it has a dog bringing a piece of pizza to a. I don't know how to describe this man other than a monster. Look at his teeth. I don't know. Well, it colluded in the Patreon, or sorry, in the in the Discord. If you guys want to see it, but yeah, this is crazy. So yeah, uh, get. Fat. I remember the other That's thing. That's why I was you say. should take the Rona vaccine so that you can get fat. Well, I mean, yeah. That's the whole point of it, right? Keep the same lifestyle you have. I mean, who who does the Rona vaccine most benefit? Yeah. People yeah. who ha- People have... People who don't want to work out, yeah. Right. Underlying conditions such as being obese. Right. And that, that reminds me of the second thing I was going to say. It's also important to remember that these people, the unsheltered, the homeless, right? This guy threw his urine at the dog, Right. This guy had a stick. Who knows what was on that stick? So not only is there the physical safety, William, in the sense of like violence, but there's physical safety issues in the sense of disease. What diseases are going to proliferate? Dr. Drew talked about it all the time. And it was one of the things that stuck with me most about what he said, that he worries that new plagues will rise because of these communities not being broken up and treated properly. Yeah. But it all connects, William, what you were saying, connects to the Lizzo story with our final story of today. It all connects. So this is a New York Times story. The headline is, Medical Care Alone Won't Halt the Spread of Diabetes, Scientist Says. Now, this is a, a, long, a longish article. Like it's like, like it's like air and airborne virus. Right. Well, like it's like COVID, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the thing. We, like, we need two weeks, two weeks in play to shelter in place to stop the spread of diabetes, Justin. We need two weeks to flatten the stomachs. Uh, um, And that's the thing, William, like you've already started making the connection, right? And this is a longish article, right? I want to be clear. This is not like a short article, right? But for those of you who've been listening to the show for a long time, you can probably guess where this article is going already. And I am just going to read one, two, three, the first four paragraphs. Okay. I'm going to read the first four paragraphs because that's all you need to read. Over the past 50 years, medical advances have led to a more sophisticated understanding of the causes of type 2 diabetes and to an abundance of new tools for managing it. But better treatments have done little to stem the rise of the disease. One in seven adults has type 2 diabetes now, up from one in 20 in the 1970s. Many teenagers are developing what was once considered a disease of older people, to be a disease of older people. 40% of young adults will be diagnosed with it at some point in their lives. Now I'm going to stop there for a second, William. That is a valid trend. Is it not? Yeah. That's a serious trend. Jesus. Right. So then we do need to look at it and we do need to say that, Hey, what is causing this? Now it could be purely biological, but I think one place where we can find agreement with 
almost everyone and with social justice, people with a social justice perspective, is that there is a cultural component to this. Can you agree to that? Absolutely. Right. The but problem I, I, can, is, I can predict without having read this article, I can predict what the what the uh, solutions are though, just that they will propose. They don't even propose solutions unless they go further in the article, which I didn't go further in the article. But it's what the word they're using to say. Uh, let's this is let, let me say this. Obviously, they're going to complain that this is a systemic issue, right? Oh, I'm sure it's due to white people. So let me ask you, what verb you're, I'm going to ask you to predict in these last two paragraphs? What verb is this going to culminate in that we have to do to the system? Uh, we have to dismantle and we need to improve access to things. Okay, so the word you picked is dismantle. Yeah. I'm going to read now. Everybody else, if you're listening right now, make your prediction. Do you also agree with dismantle? I, I might give you a clue and say DIS is a good way to start. Is it dismantle? Make your prediction right now. Okay, I've sold enough for you lazy people who just want to listen and don't think. Think, pick a word. Can you tell I teach high school? Researchers who study type 2 diabetes have reached a stark conclusion. There is no device, no drug powerful enough to counter the effects of poverty, pollution, stress, a broken food system, cities that are hard to navigate on foot, and inequitable access to health care, particularly in minority communities. Oh, <laughs> I got access. One? I got access. <laughs> My favorite one is cities that are hard to navigate on foot. How do you get like, can you imagine being a doctor and seriously being like, so uh, I no. think you develop type two diabetes because you live in a city that you can't navigate on foot. Uh, imagine being in medieval medieval Europe and no diabetes anywhere, and being like, "Well, thank <laughs> God, our cities are navigable by feet." Aren't they all? Wasn't all of civilization hard to navigate on foot back then? I, I would say yes. I mean, trying to get right. between cities, I don't know that feet would have been the best. I mean, horses if you had them, right? Now, now let's be clear. We're we're being funny here, but it's the combination of these elements that's that's leading to the opportunity to make the poor choices that lead to developing type two diabetes. It's not the the cities being hard to navigate on foot on their own. But the point is, they're not explaining it. They're just I've, they're reading a list, and people are going to read the list and be like, "Oh yeah, we need to make subways in every city. That's how we get rid of type two diabetes." Do you get what I'm saying, William? Yeah. Yeah. So here's the quote. Our entire society is perfectly designed to create type 2 diabetes. So I'm going to stop there. Maybe, William, maybe we found the grand conspiracy. Is the grand conspiracy to give everyone type 2 diabetes? It Was wow. that what Kanye was referring to? Maybe. Is it black genocide for type 2 diabetes? Because look, look how Kanye would get to black genocide, particularly in minority communities. Society designed to create type is 2 diabetes. Is it minority communities or is it poor communities? Well, that's the package deal, isn't it? Exactly. Right. So, said Dr. Dean Schillinger, a professor at the University of California, what city? San Francisco. Come wow, on. I'm shocked. I'm Shocking. shocked. Shocking. And ready. Are you ready for his verb? All right. We have to disrupt oh, that, that you, were close. Close. you were close you were close so dismantle what so if you were right let us know send us an email send us social media you know a dm a tweet participate in the discord did you say disrupt were you correct 
But that's the thing here, William. This is never like we have to look at the ideas we're teaching that and the choices people are making. Because, look, I, I would agree with a lot of what they're saying. A lot of people who get in the cycle of poverty get in that because there is a belief of you have a right to as good of a life as everyone else. So they don't want to take less in the short term to have more in the long term. And what I mean by that is, well, maybe you don't go to McDonald's the next couple of days so you can save money to have a nice meal at the end of the week. Or maybe for a while you have to really eat poorly, right? My dad used to talk about being so poor when he was done with college that he put ketchup and water together and called it tomato soup. Do I know if that story is actually true or not? No. Could it be? Yes. The point being, before you have the means to do things that are outside of your financial capabilities, you have to take less intentionally to be able to have better means. Whereas now we have a culture where everyone lives beyond their means. Right? People always say, or people don't realize... The richest people are people who live below their means, below their means. But everyone looks at a Jeff Bezos and say, oh, I want to live like that. Or everyone looks at a more correctly, a Kim Kardashian, right? Who is not living below her means at all, right? Or she might be. I actually don't know what her means are, but she's making a show of it, right? She's making a show of the means she's living by. Or we look at the entertainment culture, you know? We look at look at Kanye and rap culture, right? I'm not saying Kanye does this, but a lot of artists in rap culture make a point of being showy about their means. Look at what the, the statistics in pro sports. They live beyond their means, right? Because part of the cycle of poverty is not living below your means. And that would live to that would lead to, well, buying unhealthy food all the time, not eating healthy, not buying affordable food all the time, which would lead to type two diabetes. So, William, I agree that there are, dare I use the word systemic? I would use more cultural, right? Because I don't blame the system. Yeah, I, I, I blame the yeah. ideas. Systemic systemic takes the power out outside of yourself. And cultural right. is like, oh, this is something I can deal with, right? The culture right. is a thing that maybe I can't change directly. But I can I can respond. I can, as an individual, respond to the culture. I can choose to be a part of it or not. Right. So I agree that there are broader issues in the overall culture of our culture, right, of our society that are leading to this, but now that are contributing to this. But now we're literally playing Mad Libs, William. We could we could make this anything. Blank won't halt the blank of blank alone. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, Medical care yeah. alone won't halt the spread of diabetes. Blank alone won't halt the blank. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing alone won't help nothing. Yeah. Anything alone won't help something. Yeah. But it, it, it's social justice. Like, think of something bad, right? So let's think of um, deafness, right? All right. Deafness. Lowering volume alone won't halt the spread of deafness. What's well, a systemic issue that makes everyone want to wear earbuds all the time and makes them want to put their volume up really loud because they want to ignore the world because they feel 
a sense of hopelessness because they know the system is against them. And they're raised in, in communities that teach them and reinforce the idea that the system is against them and they can't win. So they, they feel a hopelessness that they try to drown out with music, which leads to them being deaf. I'm joking, but wait 50 years till this generation is all going deaf. <laughs> Can't you see someone making that argument? Yeah, yeah. Isn't it the same argument over and over again, just Mad Libs? Yeah. I think we should release, uh, this could be a new uh, a book in our, in our store next to The Cut, uh, the Social Justice Mad Libs. Somebody else out there do it. I don't <laughs> got time for that. All right, you have anything else you want to add to this story? Oh, no, I don't want to add any more sugar to this story. All right, let's talk about some sugar then in The Hope for Bromantic with JML. Put me into syndication, broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. Focused on. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. If you go to midside.com and the midside.com slash podcast, click on any episode link, and inside there is a link with the join code for our Discord. Let us know what word you chose. Did you think it was disrupt? Did you think it was dismantle? Did you pick another verb? Or you can contribute to trailer takedown, which we'll do here in a moment. First, though, William, I want to review a movie. I want to review Amsterdam by David O. Russell. Mm -hmm. David O. Russell is the director of movies such as The Fighter, Silver Linings Playbook, American Hustle. Uh, I've seen a few of his movies, and every one of his movies I've seen, I've absolutely loved. William, have you seen any of David O. Russell's movies? I don't think I have. Well, I would suggest checking him out. Uh, So let me give you my one-sentence review of Amsterdam. Inside David O. Russell's retelling of real and justified fascist paranoia is a powerful commentary on not just what makes America beautiful, but life itself beautiful. And I actually need to correct the grammar there. On not just what makes America beautiful, but what makes life itself beautiful. I'll correct that on there in a moment uh, once we're done recording. But Amsterdam stars... Christian Bale, John David Washington, Margot Robbie, and a host of other talented actors and actresses. It's set in World War I and post-World War I. It's mainly set, set post-World War I. And Christian Bale's character and John David Washington's character are best friends who served in World War I together. They're accused of murdering a well-to-do woman while they're living in the lower class, right? So there's classism issues in here as well. Obviously, there's racism issues. John David Washington uh, is a black man. If you've seen him in movies such as Tenet, you'd remember who he is. He's a good actor. He's a good actor. He was also in the HBO show Ballers with The Rock. Uh, So they go on an investigation to figure out who killed the woman and why are they being accused of killing the woman why are why are they being used as patsies now i don't want to spoil this movie because part of the joy of this movie is the discovery although i will say it's very obvious um to me 
what the sort of twist is, and I don't really want to say it's a twist, what the reveal of, you know, who killed the woman and why the woman was killed. If you think historically and you, you hear the words I used in my review, I had a different word in my review, but I didn't want to completely spoil the movie. Was it a homeless, the homeless person with the lead pipe? <laughs> I mean, there's an irony there, right? There's an irony there, William, that you don't even realize you just pointed to. And the irony is, ultimately, there are statements made about life in America back then that can be directly applied to very many things we say on this show and can be said about life in America nowadays and can be said about social justice nowadays and about why it's being pushed, right? We always say, like, why do companies go along with social justice? Well, I think there are some points made in this movie and some plot points that happen that directly demonstrate a lot of why the social justice agenda, the collectivist, communistic agenda, socialist agenda, whatever word you want to use, is is gathering so much steam and gaining so much steam. There is a uh, pragmatism to a certain group of people in this country, to a certain class in this country. And it's not necessarily who you would think it is. And the movie addresses that. The thing about this movie is it's complicated. And it's complicated. It's complex, William, in the same sense of a, a Zack Snyder movie. And what I mean by that is the reviewers, the critics miss the forest for the trees or they see it and they don't want to see what is being said about this movie because ultimately this movie isn't about the political side of things ultimately this movie is about trying to find that piece of personal happiness trying to find that american dream that people tell you isn't possible or tell you we have to do this in order to make it possible that society interacts in a way that they try other people make it more difficult they try and inhibit you from achieving that dream and the irony that this movie has in it is that the three main characters only find it when they're in amsterdam immediately following world war one and that, that i believe that's intentionally ironic on the point the part of david o russell the director Right. He wrote and directed it that these very American characters can only find. Right. These are people who go and fight a war to defend their country. And in in one of their cases, find love. Right. They can only find happiness outside of America. I believe that's intentional, especially with the point of the movie. So I don't really want to go into much more, much more, William, because. I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil the journey, the joy of it. What I will say is, uh, this is a so bromantic movie, so I'm giving it the highest rating. Wow. I should I should run to the theater uh, today. Yes, I would say it is worth seeing while it is still in theaters, and it is worth seeing at, at some point in your life. And, you know, I thought American Hustle was, was good as well, right? It had statements on Americanism. Uh, I thought that there are a lot of similarities between this and the fighter where some of the, the similarities are the fighter was very much about Mark Wahlberg's character growing up in Massachusetts, 
which is very strong with the familial bonds. You know, it's old New England, right? There's a lot of old Protestant, old Catholic culture up there where he was supposed to stay with his brother and do what his brother wanted and support and follow his brother, even though his brother had become a drug addict and it was dragging him down and he was made to feel guilty and, you know, oh, what are you too good for us? Right. Were there elements of this as well, where Christian Bale's character is bound by the culture. He's bound by the social systems that are already in place. He can't just do what he thinks is right. Right. He can't just be with the woman he wants to be with. And that's one of the plot points. So I think David O. Russell in general has good themes and motifs. And I may have to do a deeper dive into all of his works because I haven't seen Silver Linings Playbooks, Silver Linings Playbook yet. Uh, mainly because it's about Philadelphia Eagle, Eagles fans. And who wants to watch a movie about Eagles fans? All right, let's move on to Trailer Takedown. Like I said, we have the Discord. Uh, oh, sorry, before I say that, in the Discord, one of our midsiders said the word he picked was defund. He said felt like the social justice dice roll would land there again soon. Defund would have worked as well, right? We need to defund the system or something, right? So, interesting. But also in the Discord, that's where I put the trailers for Trailer Takedown. So if you want to participate in Trailer Takedown, and we, you can share your thoughts, then do it. Look on Discord on Saturdays and see the uh, trailers I posted. Maybe you want to watch them all before we uh, record, maybe or before we release the episode. I'm just rambling at this point. Just hit the Trailer Takedown button, William. Trailer Takedown. First trailer. Blockbuster is a Netflix original series about the last blockbuster in operation. As a, there's a bit of an irony here, right, William? Because they were trying I to destroy it's Blockbuster. Bit, it's a little bit of dancing on the grave. Oh, I, I don't think it's a little bit of that. I think it's a lot of that. Because even though this show stars... Randall Park and Melissa Fumero, and it's written by people who worked on shows like Superstore, which I enjoyed. I can't enjoy this show for one simple reason. The entire premise is they're trying to keep this store going. And, you know, Randall Park is like, it's the only place that ever felt like home to me, like family. Like, I get it. This was a great job you had and you loved it and you had a successful career. But you're going to tell me you can't tell when the writing's on the wall and you developed no skills, so you're unable to go and take those skills and build that sort of environment elsewhere. This just seems like people trying to stand in a hurricane and not get blown over. I, I just, the entire premise, even though look, it's shot like superstore, right? It's shot like Brooklyn nine, nine. It's got cast members from both of those shows. It has a similar approach to both of those shows. It will probably be amusing in the short term to watch, but the long-term premise of the show is so absurd to me. I just can't, I can't, I can't, William. I just think everyone in the show is an idiot. Blockbuster is dead. It's failing. Just give up and find something else to do. Maybe that's the ultimate point of the show. Generously, if I were writing this and starting at this point, then it would be about acceptance and moving on. And hopefully, maybe that's what the show's about. And if somebody out there watches it and tells me that it's about acceptance and moving on, I will give it a chance. But right now, I can't. Tackle. Ugh. 
Tackle. Unlikable characters, Justin. You hit the nail on the head. Tackle. Tackle. Second trailer. Nocebo stars Eva Green as a, I guess she's rich, I don't know, a woman who seems overwhelmed and she has a new kid and she wants help. And then it's unclear if they hire this woman or not, but in the trailer, a Filipino woman shows up at her doorstop and she's the most stereotypical Filipino woman ever. Like, I know like Filipinos tend to be shorter, right, as on average, but like, is Eva Green that tall, William? <laughs> because didn't it seem like this one was extra short? They did. They they made they had some uh, interesting angles to the shots. Yeah, to make sure. So you think that's what it was? Because I'm googling Eva Green height. I, She's I, five seven. Okay. So if you take a five seven woman and put her next to a five foot tall woman, and then you do weird angles, it's going to make the woman look really short, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look, and I'm not saying I'm offended or anything. But, like, they went out of their way to make it be like, oh, Filipino, she's exotic, she's going to do witchcraft and everything. And look, as you would imagine, William, I'm pretty familiar with Filipino culture, right? Mm -hmm. They do have some of the sort of, like, more Eastern Asian sort of, like, homeopathic remedy type stuff. But you would have thought this woman was, like, doing voodoo witchcraft in new orleans wouldn't you have i was gonna i'll say that i was thinking that this should have been a voodoo yes it would have made more sense it would have made more sense yeah as it is you're just like why is this woman why is a filipino woman acting like a voodoo woman from new orleans how dare you say how dare you say that a filipino woman can't be a voodoo priestess well she can but that's not established they just they just look Yes. Okay. Correct. If they that would have been interesting if this was set in New Orleans and the Filipino woman immigrated and then started practicing voodoo, I would have been like, a oh, fusion that's of 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 homeo- homeopathy and voodoo science. Yeah. Okay. I would have taken that. Like we I mean, are already we writing all... a better movie than this. Let's just both tackle it and get it over with. <laughs> no. Let me finish. Okay. They we already have Asian fusion restaurants. Why don't we just uh, have true. Asian fusion <laughs> witchcraft? Uh, right. Yeah. But they made, dude, they made her so, like, I want to actually, like, I don't know who the actress is, but I want to know if that's her real accent. Because, look, it does sound like a Filipino accent, but it almost sounds like Joe Coy putting on an over-the-top Filipino accent, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. So, Tackle. Uh Uh-huh. Now your turn. Uh, Tackle. (laughs) Tackle. Third trailer. Violent Night. Stars David Harbour as Santa Claus. He's a little rough around the edges, but he still seems like a good guy because when he goes down the chimney to a family who's being held hostage so people can steal money from them, he goes all John McClane on them. And I say that because this is sort of like a cross between three movies. Bad Santa, which I don't really like. Die Hard, which is the greatest action movie ever made. And if you've ever seen William Santa's Slay, the horror comedy where Bill Goldberg plays Santa, who's the son of Satan, and the <laughs> curse is finally up. So he was cursed into being Santa Claus to punish him, and the curse is finally up, so he starts killing everyone around Christmas time. Absolutely hilarious movie. Think about just the pitch. We're yeah, going to have yeah. Bill Goldberg, the professional wrestler, <laughs> play a 
murderous Santa Claus. And it's a comedy, right? That's that's funny, right? Yeah. Well, this one too. This one too. The idea that like we're going to have Santa Claus be in the role of John McClane in Die Hard rather than Bruce Willis. Yep. I'm in. Like, you don't need to tell me anything else. I don't even really like David Harbour. I don't even think his acting is particularly good in this role. I think they could have cast somebody better. Like, maybe this would have been a John Cena role, right? Maybe this should have been a, a different professional wrestler doing this. I don't think David Harbour is particularly good in this role. But you know what? Based on the premise and the way this is shot... Even though John Leguizamo doesn't look too great in this, he looks kind of generic. I just think the premise of this will carry this. Hug. Hug. Just to add, it feels a little bit of Home Alone too, right? You've got the yes. kid that's the redeeming the family and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, this is uh, this looks like something that like Christmas movies tend to be pretty low bar. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested in adding another uh, classic to the uh, to the to the comedies that are uh, that are on the background while I decorate the tree. This one looks uh, like it might be a uh, uh, put up the Christmas tree and hug, but we don't have that one yet. Netflix and hug. Final trailer. Shotgun Wedding stars uh, Jennifer Lopez. And I, I keep forgetting the name of the guy it stars because it's like, is it Josh Dumal? I don't know. There's like the rotating cast of generic white guy leads in romantic comedies. William. And he's one of them, right? Like, he's yeah. a good actor, but, like, he's not someone I'm going to, like, remember. You're going to remember this movie for Jennifer Lopez. And uh, Jennifer Coolidge is in this as well. And you're going to remember it for their interactions. But there's another reason you're going to remember this, William, is the turn. When this movie turns from one thing to another, the turn in this trailer is absolutely tremendous and sold me. Okay? Yeah. So yeah. this is a new genre that's apparently being developed. Remember I saw that movie earlier this year, The Lost City, starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum, where it was like the action romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody finally figured out women like romantic comedies and men like action movies. So if you put those two movies together, you will get a lot of people in the theaters because it will satisfy more of the demographic. Somebody finally figured that out. And that's exactly what this movie is. Jennifer Lopez and Josh Dumal are going to get married on an island. And then, just like Violent Night, there's a group of terrorists who attack. And then what happens? They have to fight back. What? That's amazing. Now, Midsider GS said, what the hell was that? I'll be interested to hear what William thinks. Since this strain says, if there's guns and shooting, I'll see it stance on movies. (laughs) It's a soft tackle for me with the potential of becoming a Netflix and hug. And I am going to speak on your behalf, William. Obviously, Uh you're going to have your time. But I'm going to say, I do not think this strains the if there's guns and shooting, I'll see it at all. You're going to put Jennifer Lopez in a movie with guns and shooting and it's comedic. Why would you not see this movie, especially if it's going to make your wife Happy, because I sent my wife this trailer. She's like, I have to see this movie. And I was like, (laughs) okay, I'll see this movie. And if my wife actually feels that passionate about seeing a movie and it looks this good, this entertaining. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think this looks like the greatest movie ever. But does this look entertaining? Yes. I will see this. I will happily see this. I will enjoy this. I don't give a shit how good it is uh, artistically. I will see this. I will enjoy it. And you will all fucking deal with it when I review it. Hug. Mm, hug. 
yeah, I think I think your prediction is uh, spot on, uh, Justin. I uh, this this does strain the test, right? Of the because uh, I'm not a huge rom com fan, but dude, that's the point. I know J Lo shooting guns. Like, let's yes. do it. I'm in. J Lo, I don't care how fucking old J Lo is. Holy <laughs> shit, she's hot, right? The fact yeah, that she's that age in. and still looks like that, dude. You're gay, and you can still look at J Lo and be like, exactly. God damn, right? Oh man, so hug. Hug. <laughs> that was a perfect use of that hug. That was perhaps the most perfect use of that hug ever. <laughs> All right, William. Let's let's end this episode. What did we learn this trip? I learned that a uh, action rom com is just what I wanted. Justin, what did you learn this trip? Uh, the same thing. I learned that we need more action rom-coms. <laughs> Hollywood, you hit something. This action rom-coms are going. Look. Make more action rom-coms and more horror comedies and you will save the entertainment industry. That's what I've learned this trip. All right, I want to thank everybody for listening. As you just heard, this show could very much just be me talking into the corner like a crazy person because I probably sound really crazy right now screaming about action rom-coms and horror comedies. But you know what? I feel a little bit less crazy because you fuckers still listen to me for some reason. I don't know why, but thank you. And if you want to not only listen to us, but support us, you can do so by going to the midside.com slash the store and picking up any merch. I, I, I now uh, unfortunately want to do what Will Friedle does on Pod Meets World whenever I say merch. Whenever Danielle Fischel at the end of episodes is like, we've got merch. He goes, merch, like he's a cow. And I'm like, why do you do that? But now that it's in my head, I understand why he does it. I mean, he's a voice actor, so he gets it. Uh, there's also Patreon and, and Locals. Patreon's per episode. Locals is per month. TheMidside.com slash Patreon. TheMidside.com slash Locals. That's how we keep the lights on. And as always, don't just tell a friend. Tell a female friend. And I don't care if they identify as female or not. Especially just for this episode, right? Just tell a friend. Tell a female friend. That's how the show will grow. This concludes your journey into the Midside. I'm Justin M. Lesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a sanity check. William, this advertisement you shared in Discord, yeah, it, it's it's so obviously trying to pander to Gen Z that it's ridiculous. Look like at spelling, the, I, the spelling's wrong. The face, yeah. The, the, the the yeah, the graphics, like it, this the, is well, so gross. It's gross. It's gross because it's someone who's our age trying to pander to Gen Z. I mean, the face looks like Cleveland from Family Guy or one of the teachers from Big Mouth. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah.